Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Brian Pellerin, Ben Meyerson here with you. John, again, out traveling the country, gallivanting around, enjoying the mountains and whatever else it is that he's doing. Uh, kidding, he's on his way back home, but uh, not going to make it home in time for the show, so we'll let him take the weekend off and uh, have him back next week for the post-Miami game podcast. But uh, So it's Brian and Ben getting you through FSU pit post-game and... Um, yeah, so that, that game happened. It was 24-7, your final Florida State at Pitt. It was gross. Uh, Florida State still ended up two yards short of covering the spread. Um, 500 really gross yards of offense. Ben, I don't even – I told you I watched this game, and my I don't have notes. My, my head is just a fog. Uh, no Keon Coleman. No Johnny Wilson. Uh, it was what you'd expect, I think. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, so, I, even with considering, you know, that those two players were out, um, I was a slightly underwhelmed by the offense, especially in that first half. Um, and, and I, I wrote that in a few of the pieces I did for Tomahawk Nation, uh, you know, for our game day coverage that, you know, Jordan Travis, um, he heated up in that second half. He he had some really great throws in there. There was one to uh, Ja'Kai Douglas. He kind of just dropped in the bucket uh, towards the end of that second yeah. half. He he played very well in, in, in that second half of the game, but I do think even considering the players who were out in the circumstances, I do believe that was the worst offensive half they've had all season. Um, I think there's other games you can – point to that are a little frisky and you could put in that category too but um yeah the offense was was gross uh situationally just bad they could not get going the run game just sucks plainly i don't know how else to describe it is not good um even with all that they put up like 350 yards of offense in the first half <laughs> <laughs> but you know like if i I'm, I'm looking at the possessions right now their first possession the fumble their second possession turnover on downs on the fourth down and then four straight punts i believe yeah one two four straight punts three of those were three and outs uh that's just not what we've come to expect out of this FSU team. Um, we've seen, you know, them have lulls at point, but Mike Norvell has always started hot or gotten a good possession in early. Um, so it was a li- little concerning for me to see that from them. Um, but ultimately, they got the job done on offense. They played smart football in the second half. Besides that fumble, they didn't turn the ball over, you know, so they did a, a good job of, understanding what was needed out of this game um but the run game you know we were encouraged by it in these last few weeks and now after that game i think it's as bad as ever um and just going beyond the numbers even just watching that game they were constantly getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage by pit right they were the pit was extremely disruptive they beat up this offensive line they pretty much got rid of the run game completely and I, I think besides that one long Trey Benson 55-yard run, um, they were just terrible, like really, really awful. Now, I, I am encouraged by the fact that we saw them use the screen game a little more. I thought they did a better job of scheming around that, and I think they're continuing to. But this run game is just a major problem for this team, and I think at this point in the season it's safe to say that they're not going to figure it out. Yeah, that's um I guess if you were really going to have a takeaway that's probably it. In terms of Jordan Travis and the slow start, um they had the long drive that pretty much sold out because they couldn't run the ball. 
Um, it was a 12 play 90 plus yard drive and you didn't score because you ran the ball like twice. I think it was third and two and then fourth and two. And you got like a, a yard out of it. You really, you really, you know, you, you'd expect to pick that up um, against Pitt who, who just got steamrolled by Notre Dame last week. Um, it's funny because the second longest run is Kaziah Holmes on the last drive, 21 yards outside of that. Um, there are no big runs. Rodney Hill had a long of nine to affiliate with six, even Jordan with a long of five, uh, then Benson's 55. So on that drive, if you listen again, sharpen the point available on Fridays, DFS and, and, um, game picks podcast did great on the picks this week, by the way, but in, in DFS, it's me and Chris Dindle. And I, we text all day on Saturday, talking games, talking this, talking that. And I texted him before that drive. And I said, just got to let you know, don't ever let me bring up this FSU run game again. Don't let me bring him up as a DFS play. Don't tell me to go anywhere near Trey Benson. I'm just, I'm done with it. There's too many guys getting the ball and none of them are doing well. The offensive line just isn't good. It's just not working. And immediately, like he texts me and he goes, Benson 55. And I was like, it hadn't happened on my TV yet. And he immediately handed the ball and took off. And I was like, okay, great. So uh, I'll just start doing that every time FSU needs a big run and just help you guys out. But uh, yeah, in the early start, yeah, I, okay, I'll stick with the run game first because I, I started going all over the place. But the run game is not there. It's just not going to be. And I, I, I feel like it should be okay against Miami. It should be okay against, was it North Alabama or, or whatever? It, it should be fine against Florida who sucks. Um, but I mean, the only game that's looked good was really Virginia tech. And, and we saw this week Louisville's backup running back ran all over them. Like that's, that's what they can't do. They can't stop the run. So, I mean, like, obviously that's what you did well. And again, it, I think you are good enough at it where it plays fine. The rest of your regular season, it, could be a problem against Louisville, who's a, a Louisville, who's a fine rushing defense. Uh, I wanted to pull up their numbers because, because again, Chris, Chris and I were talking about this on the DFS podcast. Because surprisingly, Louisville's rush defense was better than Duke's, and and I I did not know that when he brought it up to me. Um, but yeah, they average allowing less than three yards a carry. Two nine seven, they're eighth in the country. Um, I mean, they are a really good run stopping offense or defense. So if that's your ACC title opponent, which it looks like it likely will be, um, you know, you're going to have to rely on Jordan Travis. Lucky for you, you have Jordan Travis. So so I guess that's where I end up on the run game. And, and to your point, the really slow start, I think you could see the plays where if you have four or 14 running the routes instead of, um, you know, Destin Hill and... Uh, Portier and and down the list, you could see where they work. You know, like you see, like, oh, that's a jump ball. It's one-on-one. -on -one, and it's like Pitt's DB just dominates at the point of attack. And it's like, you wish you had more guys who could give you something. And, and Ja'Kai really started to as the game went along. Uh, you saw Morlock finally have the game we kind of were waiting on. Uh, still disappointed that Bell just can't seem to hit a big play. It just seems like I, I don't know why we can't get him a big play. Yeah, Jakai did really well in this game. He was um, phenomenal. You know, they were just attacking that slot fade. That's his. That's his route. That's how he makes his bread and butter. And um, no, I, I, I think, you know, you make a really good point in that if four and fourteen are playing, they make a lot of those completions. They they make a lot of those plays. They sustain drives. They keep them going. But I think it kind of goes back to something. You know, watching all of that unfolds in this game, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the season with the passing game, where we talked about how high difficulty it is. Right? They attack the boundary a lot. They they try and force the ball towards the sideline, um, and part of that is due to you know they want to keep the ball out of defenders' hands. Part of that is due to you know Keon and Johnny being so good at those plays. Um, and Jordan being so good at those plays. But I think the problem is, is when you're so dependent on that because they're so high difficulty, um, you know, it, it just doesn't work with some of these lesser receivers. So I, I think that's a, a big problem for them in terms of, you know, maybe, you know, towards the, the stretch of the season, even the ACC championship game, it won't be much of a problem, but they, they just do not have easy ways to, to get chunk yards in the passing game in the middle of the field. They just can't do it or they refuse to do it. And 
that to me is the thing that, you know, we talked about so much early in the season that they're making it harder on themselves than they have to. And I think in this game, that's kind of where you saw it bite them back, right? Is that they weren't able to sustain drives. They weren't able to, you know, really get going on offense early on. The one thing I think I hope you could take away from this game is this offense, because look, you won, right? And and it wasn't particularly close. I mean, the score says it was. You never felt like Pitt was going to make the score in the second half to really beat you. So, like, their one touchdown drive was a 30-yard play aided by a hands-to-the-face that gave them 15 more. I mean, it just felt like as long as you didn't just collapse, they weren't going to, to beat you, which is, you know, that's all you really needed. The problem for me, or, or I guess what I what I hope you take out of this game in a game that wasn't particularly close in the past of the game is Ja'Kai just becomes your guy in the slot. Yeah. So when you go to those three receiver sets and you do Keon and Ja'Kai on the same side, if Keon comes underneath in a slant and they're trying to bracket him, maybe that's where your slot fade comes in and you start hitting those one-on-one balls that way because you have to pay that much attention to those other guys. Maybe that's the big hope takeaway you you hope you get out of this game is you find that third weapon evolving. Definitely. And Ja'Kai, you know, he did, he's always been really good at that slot fade and then attacking the middle field with crossing routes. Um, so I, I think that's a good, you know, that's a good point by you that for with Keon and Johnny strengths, that's, that's a good third option for them to go to in those situations. Um, and, and I do want to make sure I touch on, you talked about Kyle Morlock. He was excellent in this game, yeah. really encouraged by him. He has a very bright future, um, but all the tight ends played really well. Jaheim Bell, even though Jaheim Bell didn't have a crazy yards, he got five catches. They were getting him involved a lot. And then Marquise and Douglas, too, with a touchdown. Um, and he had a few other nice plays. So I, I, I am encouraged that Mike Norvell has figured out how to get tight ends involved more in this passing game, um, especially Kyle Morlock, because I think he's a really good weapon that is underutilized. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, like you said, the big takeaway is that beyond those top two pass catchers, you know, you have some other guys in there who who can do some things. I think Jakai is probably that next guy up. But beyond that, those tight ends, you know, they can present a lot of mismatches. And, um, you know, when you're game planning for some of these really difficult opponents, potentially in the college football playoff, like Michigan or Georgia, um, just getting those easy routes that, you know, like we're talking about with Keon and Johnny where the, you know, they're winning, but the way they're winning isn't exactly low difficulty. I think with Kyle Morlock and Ja'Kai Douglas, they can do those kinds of routes. They can present those kind of options to Jordan. Yeah. And and I think the tight ends are going to be the important part. Cause I mean, if you look at this week, you play without those two top receivers and your, your, your actual wide receivers give you quick math, nine, 11 catches, your tight ends gave you 12. You know, you were able to find ways to use them. And looking at their, all of their big plays, um, it, it's up the middle. You know, you had 63 yards from uh, Morlock on the one play where two guys bounce off of him and then he shows some speed. And you're like, okay, that, you know, he has that in his bag. You know, you could see a, a completed pass up the middle. There it goes. And then the same for Douglas. Douglas's touchdown catch, same thing. Over the middle, it's 23 or 24 yards, something like that. Um you know, you're you're finding it over the middle, and especially when you have those guys back, that's where it feels like that's where it's going to come from. If you're going to have it over the middle, it's the tight ends, and you. So again, maybe that's another thing you you hope this offense takes away from this using the tight ends over the middle more because they're good. You have good receivers over the middle, um, and, and somehow it again it it feels weird that Morlock and Douglas are doing a better job of that than Bell is. Um, I just don't know if they've figured out how to use Jaheim yet. And and I it, I don't know. Again, if we end up at this point in November, it's like, when can you expect them to figure that out? No, I, I don't think they figured it out with him. I think they found m- many more consistent ways to win with Morlock, actually, which mm-hmm. is the thing, where, you know, like we're talking about in the future. To me, that's going to be the more consistent option for this team heading down the line. Um, one thing I want to note on the offense, too, is um, – you know, in a game like this, I would love to see them get Jordan more involved in the run game. Obviously, you want to be smart about that because you're playing Pitt and, you know, there's not as much risk. 
But how many times have we said that this season about this team where it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, run Jordan more. But then, hey, we understand it because, you know, you don't want to risk him. And we're playing X team who you don't really need to take that risk against. Well, now we've gone through the season and Jordan has had one or two performances where he's really ran the ball um, anywhere close to what he was doing last season. So it's just concerned that that aspect is a little bit concerning. Now I think they can bring that back obviously, but they haven't done it so far. <laughs> and if, if it's something where they're just not going to lean on it at all, you, you know, when do you actually use this? Right. Because we're starting to get to that point in the season where you're going to have to use it. And if you don't, you're going to lose one of these important games, maybe the ACC championship, for example. So, you know, I think they just need to Mike Norvell. I think he's figured out a lot of things this season with this offense. I think he hasn't put together though, this running game and how to scheme around it. Right. Because this running game is what it is. Like we've said, you know, they're not going to be improving and they found little ways in certain game plans to with screens and some different things to kind of, get around that, but they haven't found consistent ways to win to where they're really scheming outside the run game. So I think, you know, moving forward in the next three games, you'd like to see them improve on that because they've shown some of it, but they've never done it over the course of a full game. I did just realize I gave Rodney Hill uh, his two catches to the wide receiver group. So that was actually wrong. So they didn't only only have nine catches as a wide receiver group. So uh, running backs and tight ends ended up with a much higher number, but uh, yeah, I mean, it does feel like the only thing they've done to really kind of quote unquote extend the run game is those little quick passes to Bell in the flat. Um, they don't seem to be doing that much. Um, again, he's five for 23 this week. I mean, it's like three or four yards a catch. I'm sure his average depth of target is probably nothing. Um, I don't know if you have that number, if you could even look for it, but I mean, it's just not they're not he's not really seem to be getting down the field if they're not using him to get down the field he's not available down the field I just don't know what it is there the the one thing that I think kind of like you talked about this the area I think this team can grow going into the end of the season because yeah we talked about the run game feels like it is what it is and the defense who we, we haven't really talked about um outside of them really just putting this thing seemingly away early was is Jordan's running. And so the question really becomes, when do they go to that? Because they pulled it out just that one drive against Duke, really. Um, and it's it's it seems like it went right back in the cupboard this week. So if I'm giving it any anywhere I think this team still has ceiling on them, it's there. I I, I think that pulling that card out. Do you do you have a number for me? Uh for Jaheim Bell, yeah, it was four point two yards a dot. So not mm. Not, not abs- terrible. Not terrible. But then you look at uh, Kyle Morlock, three and a half. Marquise and Douglas, 2.7. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they they weren't exactly attacking downfield with their targets this game. Is that that's just this game? I mean, I guess what's what's overall? Can you oh, have that overall it, for Jaheim? Yeah. Yeah. Find that number. They're definitely hitting him in those. It just feels like he's only getting those in the flat or quick out type of receptions. I mean, I can think of a couple of targets where the balls hit him in the chest down the field. I don't know if he just can't get down the field or what. So it's at seven and a half yards, which is oh, it's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. Um, yeah, it's not bad at all. Actually, it's his career high. So for uh, you know, that's that's just the average depth for for his target. So where he's on, how far down the field he is for, for those targets. Yeah. Um, the the one thing I, I like, I said, I think the ceiling for this team, the, the continued space of growth, is that offense. Uh, again, the defense looked great um the the breaker for me again is fisk i I feel like he continues to be the guy who most obviously continuously stands out on this defense it's great because he's around the ball and he's he's at the d-line and you can kind of see like hey there's that guy pushing up against the quarterback on the run game again but uh he seems to be that guy again for this defense this week yeah no he was he just continues to to really be a a fantastic football player i think the He's one of the been the best surprise this season by far. Um, I still think, you know, the coverage unit at times is a little iffy. Um, but again, I think it's it's similar to the running game, but it's not to the same extent um, where they kind of just are what they are. They're middle of the road. Ventrell Cypress seems to have a player too where he just kind of gets lost in coverage. 
Um, so, you know, I think he seems to be the one kind of weak link in terms of the secondary, which you wouldn't have thought coming into this season, you know, with all the hype that he had coming in. But no, they uh, they bottled up Pitt and um, they did a, a really, really good job of just, you know, getting Pitt off the field consistently. Um, you know, I'd, I think I'd like to see how they do against Miami and Florida, um, you know, because early in the season they had their struggles and they've kind of picked it up in this middle stretch um, but they haven't really faced the stiffest competition. So I, I'd like to see what this defense looks like against a team that can really push the ball downfield more and, and be more aggressive. And I think Miami is very capable of doing that, right? So well, I think- well, I guess we'll see, because if they go back to Tyler Van Dyke, it seems like that is not in the cards. Uh, boy, he continues to look bad. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of Miami fans hoping and praying this is a week and they make the change. Uh, they did they did sit him for an injury against Clemson, I believe. Um, I I don't know. It, it Something seems to be going on there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it could be to the point where the best the, – the next best offensive team you face is Louisville. Um, and, and Jamari Thrash would be the guy who would push you there as the speedster top receiver. Yeah, and, and they had the, – the their biggest struggle, you know, with this Adam Fuller defense in general has been – those mobile quarterbacks and they really haven't faced any of those pretty much since I would say Boston college. Right, Brian, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, drones at VT is okay, but no one Um, threatened them. And that's no one who can do both Yeah, or or, or had success at both. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, I wouldn't list Castellanos normally as like a great passer, but he had a great game against FSU likely because of his running ability and no one else, no one else really has. Riley Leonard obviously was limited, so that that wasn't there. Syracuse, they're awful. Um, no, I would say nobody else. Nobody else since then. And I, you know, Graham Mertz isn't going to be that guy. Um, if Tyler Van Dyke plays, he's not that guy. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know where uh, it's going to happen. And Plummer's not really that guy either in the ACC championship game. If you're playing Louisville, so I mean you might make it to the playoff without it, assuming you're able to run the table and your defense is able to play without it at that to, to the level they're able to play without facing that kind of guy with, with a, a stagnant kind of passer. Um, the only thing on Cypress, I, w- I would say, I don't know if, I think we underestimate uh, to some degree that I, I say we, but maybe, you know, the, the average fan uh, w- would underestimate the ability to just like plug and play a defensive back, uh, the difficulty in, in, everything that goes with being in the right place, the right time, the moving correctly. Um, you know, I mean, a, 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 a guy transferring in takes a second. I mean, I feel like it's happening less often than it did in the beginning yeah. of the season, at least. And, and maybe you hope if you get through the, yeah, if you get through these next three games plus the AC championship game, and you're able to be undefeated at that point, which I feel like they're favored to be, you get an extra month of practices before you end up in a, a playoff game. So yeah, I, I certainly think you can be better. Um, I'd be terrified to try and stop a, 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 a what do we call him, Maserati Marv now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a Brock Bowers, if you're playing Georgia, I mean, you know, th- those are the kind of guys who could be problems. But again, none of these top teams really have like true mobile quarterbacks. Uh, like J.J. McCarthy's, he's fine running the ball, but he, I mean, nothing amazing. Uh, McCord isn't really a runner uh Carson Beck isn't a runner Bo Nix is is probably the closest because Penix isn't a runner either so I mean it's really it's it's really Bo Nix and a bunch of statues back there right and and yeah so that lends really well in FSU's favor you know down down the stretch here um so I, you know I think they've shown with this defense that they can make teams one-dimensional and they can go even beyond that and kind of shut them out right so um, they, they've just done a really good job of taking things away from offenses and frustrating them early in games. Um, and they've been just really consistent with that over this last month. I think it's going to continue. Um, I think Jared verse, I've been a little critical of him this season just because I thought he hasn't quite lived up to what he put on tape last season, but I think, you know, down this stretch, he's been looking better and better. Josh farmer. It's been excellent. Um, you know, Overall, I think this defensive line has just been really, really good. Patrick Payton, um, he's just a baller. So, yeah, I think, you know, they've 
to me, their defense is trending the right way right now. And I think that's the the most important thing. Last year, it was the offense. This year, it's the defense. Um, and then this year, you kind of have some questions about the offense. So, you know, I I, I think I, I want to give Mike Norvell the benefit of the doubt in that this offense can get better, even though we've already acknowledged, you know, what they're capable of, right? But we know there is more to this offense. So, I, I, down the stretch, I'd like to them, and you've already mentioned this, but just tap into that more, show us, you know, what's possible. Um, and that at least that way, heading into the playoff with that much time to game plan, they can really attack these teams in the right way, you know, use Jordan's legs, um, use those receivers how you need to use those receivers and just play smart football. Because I think, you know, once we, once we get into the playoff, I, I, I truly believe if this team doesn't turn the ball over on offense, that they can be in any of these games against any of these teams. But I think where you could run into trouble is if you have a turnover or two and things kind of snowball, I, I, that's where I could see this team losing those sorts of games. Um, but Jordan Travis and Mike Norvell have done an excellent job of protecting the football. So, you know, just kind of looking forward, I think we know what this defense is. They've been really excellent when they have to face some of those better receivers in the playoff, it's going to look a little ugly at times. There's going to be some plays that you're going to want back, but this defensive line is going to be able to muddy up pockets and be really disruptive. Yeah. And they've been good enough to like, I mean, this is a week where you were missing your two best skill players and the defense rose to the occasion and gave your offense the ability to just kind of coast through it. And that that's, that's excellent. You've won games in so many different ways. Great. You know, be, be a verse, a versatile team who can win a bunch of different ways and, and go through that. Speaking of winning, this win is a big one as they've now clinched a spot in the ACC championship game. Like we talked about last week. So uh, feel free to get those hotels in Charlotte booked up. If you haven't already, uh, I know plenty of you probably already have because this seemed like a given, but here we are It's seven and zero in conference. You have one game left against Miami in conference and you're off to Charlotte already. The question becomes who you face. Uh, again, Louisville is the team sitting in the driver's seat. They pretty handily destroyed Virginia Tech doing so without their two best skill players for the most part. Jawar Jordan, the running back, played uh, sparingly. He got like eight to ten carries, and they were started running away from with the backup and said that was enough. Let him sit with his hamstring injury. Uh, and then Jamari Thrash sat for this game as he continues, I think, with a wrist injury. Um, but they are now in that driver's seat for the second spot as Virginia Tech drops into that two-loss ranking. Uh, Louisville's two games left in conference are Miami uh, and Virginia. I believe it's Virginia next week, Miami the week after. Um, so they do control their own destiny. They they have the Miami game as it feels like the the main one in there, though, you know, keep an eye on Virginia. They've been playing good ball, found a run game lately, and maybe um, aren't atrocious. So, you know, at least a game where Louisville has to show up, I, I think, more than what we kind of anticipated. Uh, outside of that, you've got a group of two loss teams. So uh, I, I don't I don't really know how this will shake out because it, it feels like a nightmare scenario. But a lot of these teams are obviously going to play each other. So someone's going to be the two loss team standing there. That group, Georgia Tech, UNC, Boston College, Duke and NC State. Um I don't know. I mean, it, somehow Boston College seems like the team playing the best ball out of the group. They're now six and three, five winners of five in a row. Uh, UNC's obviously still in that group, but they're losing the tiebreaker to like a Georgia Tech. Uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. It, it feels like Louisville likely runs the table, but uh, you know, Miami for all intents and purposes out of this had three losses. Clemson with four losses out of this. Uh, it, it certainly feels like this is Louisville's game to lose. Obviously, they're in the driver's seat. But uh, and anyone else you think maybe has a window? Do you think Louisville might trip up here? I, I I don't really see that happening. They've been they've been really good against bad teams for the most part this season, outside of obviously Pitt, right? But if you look at the rest of their schedule, they've put away a lot of teams that you know they're just better than. So I I expect them to do that against UVA and Miami. Um, out of that two loss group, you know I still think North Carolina probably be the toughest matchup just because you have to deal with Drake may and yep. that is always going to be a challenge. So, um, but obviously, like you said, a lot of those teams are going to play each other by the end. So, um, you know, Louisville controls their own destiny. I expect to see them December 2nd in Charlotte. Um, 
and it'll be a good matchup for for FSU. But yeah, I, you know, the rest of the ACC this year has just been kind of, you know, we thought it was going to be really frisky, and then it was a little bit of a letdown these last three or four weeks. Yeah, I, the one thing, like I mentioned, I, I feel like I have to give it to Boston College. It's the game that I think, oddly enough, Florida State's being penalized the most for in their resume. Um, but they sit here as the team currently, you know, tied for third place in this conference, uh, winners of five in a row. I mean, it's not like they played the greatest teams in the world. Syracuse, who I believe is probably the worst team in this conference, so pretty clearly. UConn, who's always one of the worst teams in the country. Roadway and Georgia Tech might be the big one for them. Yeah. Uh, Army in there is, is also bad, though they just beat Air Force, but that's, you know, a rivalry game can happen. Uh, and Virginia, who, again, we just talked about, is not really the greatest team in the world. Um, but they were lo- like the, the close game there doesn't look as bad as it did September 16th. Um, again, I don't think it means like, oh my God, they're amazing, but it, it it's, it's kind of frustrating with how it feels like that is still penalizing Florida state all these weeks later. Yeah, no, it, it, it's really strange how, you know, and we saw pundits talk about this, how Ohio state was being, rewarded for their strength of schedule and FSU was not compared to those other teams in that the top four um but to be honest I I do think those other teams right now deserve to be ahead of FSU if they've just been more dominant than FSU has even you know with FSU's competition but um yeah I, I think you know for the rest of the season Louisville, I think you just if you're Florida State, you hope Louisville continues to win. They look good, and that you can ha- add that to your resume as well. But also, like we've talked about multiple times already, FSU controls their own destiny. It'd be insane to keep them out of the playoff if they're an undefeated conference champion. Yeah, it, it, to me, it seems like the playoff at this point is going to be Ohio State, Michigan winner. Yeah, Georgia, Alabama winner. Yeah, Florida State if they're undefeated. Washington, Oregon winner. Um, I guess Texas could end up trying to push for that spot. Uh, but if you're an undefeated Florida State, I don't believe you're losing out to Texas in that. That's that's for no. Georgia or Alabama to fight over. That's that's not for you to fight over. That's exactly. for you know Washington and Oregon to fight about. That's not for you. Um, the one thing I do, and, and I want to go intensely in these rankings because because Florida State being for um as you said it doesn't bother me i i I half expect them to be five because of the love fest for washington with where everyone is kind of with them um i felt like they belonged in four or or three i understand georgia's two because of the two-time defending champs who were undefeated um we talked preseason about how their schedule was garbage it remains garbage I do want to play a fun game with you. Can you tell me which of these games you think was the biggest win for Michigan? Which game do you think was the biggest win for Michigan on the resume? Was it home against Eastern Carolina? Was it home against UNLV? Was it home against Bowling Green? Was it home against Rutgers, the game where Greg Schiano said, man, there's some things going on, and I, well... I don't know what to say, but there's some things going on that are wrong. <clears throat> cough, cough, they're stealing our sons. Uh, was it on the road against Nebraska, on the road against Minnesota, at home against Indiana, on the road against my- Michigan State, or at home against Purdue? Because <laughs> I, I looked at their schedule yesterday, and I said, Michigan's schedule is a list of teams that if my team played in a bowl game, I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. Like, it, like if LSU was like last year, LSU played Purdue, didn't watch the bowl game, didn't care to, didn't want to. I was driving home. I was like, yeah, it's fine. I'll just drive back to Tampa. It's cool. I won't bother. Like I, none of these teams interest me because none of them are good. Not no. any of them are good. They have Penn state this week. Who's nine. Does anyone think Penn state's really that good? I mean, we saw them play Ohio state. They look terrible. They've played West Virginia to close. They put, they, Michigan has played no one, and and what what bothers me is that they're rewarded for it. Yes, no, that's you took and, the chance. Yeah. You played LSU. You're not being rewarded for it. They took ECU, UNLV, Bowling Green, and they are rewarded for it. it that that's what what annoys me. 
Hey, Brian, don't forget, they do play at Maryland in, in two weeks. They do have at Maryland coming up. So, yeah, make sure we circle that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's that that's where I get annoyed is because you're you're encouraging teams. You're saying, hey, Michigan, good job not scheduling anyone like I like because if you're the committee and you get in the room and you discuss it and you say, hey, I, we should reward Ohio State as number one over the two time defending champion, Georgia because they went on the road to Notre Dame and played that game. I understand it. You're, you're rewarding someone for providing a better product, even as a business that makes sense. Um, I just don't understand like rewarding Michigan for playing no one on purpose. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, Brian. It's, it doesn't really make sense. Um, there's some flawed logic in there. Then again, if you look at all the scores of those games, they're all blowouts. They, I, mean, I can again, understand why FSU is not. Hunter Stallions had everyone's play. I mean, you saw the video of uh, was it the Ohio State? Was it, it was one of the games earlier this year, but he's standing next to the to the offensive coordinator yeah. and the DC signaling for the other team, and he turns around and he goes, "That's edge pressure off the right. That's edge pressure off the right." And then so then like Michigan makes a change and runs it runs it left, and I'm like, "Okay, come on, come on." It's it's just whatever. Hey, you want to play the same game with Georgia because it's 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 slightly better, but not much better. It is uh, better. It's slightly. It's so UT Martin at home, Ball State at home, South Carolina at home, UAB at home, on the road at George at, at, on the road at Auburn. The game they play every year is their cross uh, division rival. At home against Kentucky, on the road against Vandy, on the road against or the the cocktail party against Florida and Jacksonville. Uh, this week at home against Missouri, who ended up being a lot better. Luther Burden got hurt there, which is, I think, is a big one. Burden's amazing. Uh, Missouri might win that game if he's healthy. Um, they get Mississippi this week, who's or Ole Miss this week, who is, I think, Ole Miss is a huge fraud. I, I think they're a giant fraud because uh, Jackson Dart had the game of his life this week against A and M, and the Aggies were like thirty yards from still beating them. Like I. You know, and, and then they get Tennessee the week after and then Georgia Tech. So at least there's more on the schedule right? Uh, the last month. But uh, yeah, I mean, neither team went out of their way to schedule anything worth any team worth anything in the out of conference. And you should be rewarding a team like Florida State for it. I understand why Georgia's ahead. They're the two-time defending champs that haven't lost in like three years. Uh, but I, I would like to see Florida State get rewarded more for uh you know playing that kind of game you played another top five team or i mean i guess you book you, you know you you pick these years in advance so it's not like you knew lsu was going to be good but at least it's there you tried right and i think but but then you know if we're going to talk about that for florida state looking forward next year you know they play notre dame they play memphis florida uh charleston southern that's their non-conference opponents but then 2025 they have a home away with alabama 2027 2028 they have a home away with georgia 2029 they played notre dame 2030 they play notre dame again so there's a home away so you're right you look at these other teams and they're being rewarded for pushing over these pushover teams yeah like florida state is is doing something to challenge themselves in the future i mean you know for in in four straight years they're gonna play uh, Georgia twice and Alabama twice and Notre Dame. So th- those five games over a four-year stretch, that's from 2025 to 2028, Florida State is going out of their way to make premier matchups happen. Like you said, you know, there's no way to know how those teams are going to shake out by that point. But I'm just going to go out on a wild guess and say that Alabama and Georgia are probably still going to be pretty good around those. I would assume so unless, uh, unless Nick Saban is literally – a. a- not even retire. Like, I feel like he has to be off the planet for this, for this to be like when Alabama starts to slide, I'm just convinced he's going to coach there forever. Um, And the one other thing in that is like, it, it feels like if taking Michigan's logic, the best path to a playoff in a four, four team setup, because after this year, we'll go to the 12 team setup would be to just schedule, you know, Cupcakes. Uh, yeah, cupcakes and and you know Jack. Oh, I guess Jacksonville State or or you know the the the, the teams uh, <clears throat> like Southern Miss again. Like you know, schedule Southern Miss and schedule these these teams that are just kind of regionally near you and just be like, yeah, just come on down, collect a check, and go home. 
you know, have Jackson State down for a game, you know, have it, it just it rewards teams for not doing that. It, and the, the, obviously the ACC difference between the Big Ten. It, I guess all I'm saying is it's nice to be Michigan and collect massive checks for being in the Big Ten and then schedule set up a schedule where you only have to play Ohio State the last week of the season. Nothing else matters except can I be healthy the week of Thanksgiving to play Ohio State? And, yeah. and it's it's frustrating for Florida State to be uh, a team who prides itself on taking big games and wanting to play in big games that you end up getting penalized for it because what you were close on the road against Boston College like that's that's annoying. So uh, the one other national picture thing I, I wanted to get your I, your your takes on here is the Heisman picture. Um, a fairly big change up this weekend as uh, Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, goes from the number three quarterback on the board, pushing or number number three player on the board, pushing for number two uh, to totally out of it. He got concussed at the start of the fourth quarter against Alabama uh, on what to me was a dirty hit, but we'll move on. Uh, so he's completely off the board now. So Jordan slides from fifth to fourth in the running here. Your top five that are, are, are there's only four within I guess there's six the way they're setting up the numbers no one is under all these guys are under plus there's only six guys under plus four thousand so a 400 to one kind of guys uh or is that 40 to one what 40 to one uh Marvin Harrison at plus 1800 is the the longest shot out of the six under four thousand uh Carson Beck at plus 1200 that's the Georgia quarterback Jordan is next at plus 850. J.J. McCarthy at plus 650. That's the Michigan quarterback. Bo Nix plus 210. Michael Penix at plus 140. Washington quarterback. Um, I, I guess if you were guessing who's who's likely to take home this trophy, um, the other two names just outside of that window, Ollie Gordon, the running back from Oklahoma State, and Jalen Milrow, who just entered this conversation uh, from the LSU-Bama game. He's the Bama quarterback uh, this weekend. Do you have someone you think is most likely? Do you think Jordan has a realistic shot at this? I don't think Jordan has a realistic shot at this. I think he's going to be there in New York. I think so too. I I don't think he's going to have a realistic shot at this because he hasn't had those spectacular moments. He just hasn't. Um, You know, I think the reason people got so excited about him being that guy this year and the reason Florida State made a whole uh, campaign. Yeah, they made a whole campaign out of it. They, they, yeah, if you, it was like the, the website was like Jordan for Heisman or, or something like that. It was that, that Florida game, especially the way he played, the way he laid out his body, the spectacular moments he had evading sacks at the goal line, like two different uh, goal line stands for the offense where they scored a touchdown. Jordan just, and, you know, he hasn't half, he hasn't been forced to have those moments because the team has been better this year. But he just hasn't had that Heisman moment yet. And even if he plays close to that over Florida, he hasn't had the body of work or in one of these games, he hasn't had the body of work over the course of a full season to me compared to Michael Penix and Bo Nix. To me right now, I think it's between those two. Um, J.J. McCarthy's just there because all the stuff we've already talked about with Michigan. Michigan's but... unbeaten and he's the quarterback. Exactly. Cora missed a few games, I believe. And that's, that's how we end up here. Right. So I think, you know, Penix has really grabbed the attention of, of, of the media. And I think that's, it's going to help him a lot. And he's just had a lot of great moments this year. He's looked fantastic. Um, And I think, you know, if they go ahead and, and play uh, Oregon again and they win, he should win it plain and simple. So I, I think it's really that straightforward that, you know, it's him. I just think, you know, this year is one of those years where there's no super spectacular sort of standout. I think Michael Penix is a nice Heisman, but I think if you compare Michael Penix to the last five years of guys, eh, you know, it's, it's good, but it's not quite that upper echelon. So I think it's just kind of one of those years. Yeah, it, 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 to me, felt like, and I was telling you guys after we finished the pod the last few weeks that I thought Jaden Daniels was that guy. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the all-purpose yards per game, it's not particularly close. He's at 390 yards per game, um, 2,800 passing, which is second in the country, and 700 rushing yards, which is first by a quarterback. Um, so, like, 
he's doing it. And the touchdowns are ridiculously high. Now with the concussion in a big game, uh, when really the defense lets him down, he's off the board. Um, it feels like maybe if he comes back, he might get an invite. But for all intents and purposes, the guy who has the gaudy stats, quote unquote, is is seemingly out. Um, Penix, he's got the most passing yards. It's 3,200. Uh, and he's got thir- negative 13 rushing yards. He's not a runner. It's not his game. Um, but where that comes to me is like, it's hard to have a Heisman moment, like throwing the ball. Like, it just feels like in the college game, people just love seeing the guy make three dudes miss. And maybe I, he I, flings one really far on a dot. But like Penix is, is I don't want to say statue, but he's not that kind of guy. Right. He isn't. No. And, and I mean, just as you were talking about that, too, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Jordan, we saw him against that in that Florida game. That was the moment that had people thinking he could do that. He hasn't gotten anywhere close to that this season. The hardest part for me with Jordan, he's his total yards is at 2659. That's 500 yards behind Penix. Not too far behind, 200 behind Bo, Bo Nix. My, my, I don't want to use the word fear, but I guess fear is the right word. My, my fear on, on Jordan's candidacy is even if he puts out a great game against Miami and a great game against Florida, he gets to the point where he's playing in an ACC championship game against Louisville Maybe the day after, I think the Pac-12 championship game is on that Friday before the ACC title game. And a lot of voters are just going to watch Penix versus Knicks and decide the winner gets the vote and we're going home. Um, you know, and and it, it even in that ACC title game, does it become too little too late just because he's behind on the stats and people are like, ah, FSU's good, not great. And, you know, but man, do you see Oregon? Do you see Washington? Look at the way they, they up and down the field. Um, no, no, because I, I don't think he can't have a moment before then. It just feels like no one, for some reason, is giving FSU that chance. It just feels like they're like, yeah, yeah, they should win the ACC. Who cares? And exactly. and, and that's kind of frustrating. It is, but I think also it goes back to the fact that you know they just haven't outside of that LSU game, they haven't had that sort of high powered back and forth game. You, you know, when when you're talking about the Heisman moment, obviously. Like you were saying with Penix, he's not as mobile. He's not going to be escaping in that same way. But the, the but beyond that, you know, if you're not going to have one of those moments, it's being in these high scoring, you know, close shootout games where one of these guys just kind of breaks apart and Jordan just hasn't had that opportunity. So I think that's really what's going on here is, you know, outside of that LSU game, which is so far away now. You know, he just hasn't had that that moment, and I don't think he's going to have the opportunity for that moment where it feels like FSU is threatened enough that Jordan has to overcome, you know, whatever's in front of them. I think that's the thing where it's like because of the way FSU's schedule is going to play out the rest of the way and because of how I expect the game script to go against Louisville if they do play them in the ACC championship, I just don't think they're going to – he's just not going to have that, that moment, that chance. I do think – if, if you were going to make Jordan's case versus some of, the, of those other guys, you would point to the fact that he's taken a lot less sacks than almost all of those guys. Uh, he has two interceptions this year. All those other guys have really put the ball in harm's way, even though they've thrown the ball really well. So, so Jordan's kept it really clean and he's been really efficient. He hasn't taken a lot of negative plays, but you know, saying you know for for a guy's Heisman candidacy number one thing to be oh he didn't turn the ball over and he played smart football that's just not what voters are are going to be wanting and looking for and I think you made the great point about the way this schedule plays out for the conference championship games where people are just going to be watching Oregon versus Washington and making their decision based off that yeah and and, yeah it's kind of it's very frustrating because I do think Jordan is playing as potentially the best quarterback in the country. Yeah. Um, it's just not translating to gaudy plays or gaudy stats. Um, but like that was what Florida state fans were frustrated by. Like in September, it was like, quit trying to do Heisman stuff and, and just do regular football. And like, he's done a phenomenal job of that. And that's where it's like, well, that's frustrating because you know, you wish he would run more. You wish he would do more flashy things so he could have that chance. Um, but, you know, I mean, good for him for being a, a the type of quarterback who says, no, I, I want to win. 
And that's what's important to me is I want to be undefeated, win these games. Let's go to the playoff. Let's be unbeaten. Let's win an ACC title. And and that's that's unselfish. That's a leader. That's yeah. what a Heisman guy probably should be. But, you know, that's good for him. Good for Jordan. And, and you know, I feel like he earns it. One one question to follow up on this for you. Do you think Carson Beck, the Georgia quarterback, is is good enough to win the Heisman? Like, do you feel like the way he plays? I mean, I'm sure you haven't, like, watched him play a ton. But, like, would you assume he's his his stats are good enough to win a Heisman? Yeah, I would say looking at his stats. Oh, you're looking at him. Okay, well then. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. I have the. I was hoping you'd be like, no, I haven't seen them, but I assume they probably run the ball really well, and Bowers does a lot. But in actuality, he averages over 300 yards a game. Because that's where I was last week when when Chris brought it up to me on the pod. He was like, "Have you looked at Beck's numbers? Because they're like stupid." No, they are stupid. I mean, he's right up there, the top 10 in, in passing yards, 72% completion percentage. 16 I never would have expected that. Like, I just um, never expected that. No, I mean, in terms of that, he's right up there. But then, and I, I hate to use this word when talking about the Heisman, but it's not as sexy as Bo Nix or Michael Penix, right? Yeah. It just isn't. So I, I think that's what it is where people, you know, in terms of media and stuff, we like new narratives. We like guys coming out and proving the world wrong um and, and for like Bo Nix and Michael Penix you know yeah sure they've had good years before and they've looked good before but now they're putting it all together in teams that are right there in contention so I, it, this is a storyline thing as much as it is as it is anything else you know I think that's I think it actually hurts Jordan more that he was so good at the end of last season right because if he hadn't done what he did in those last four games or so and he was doing what he was doing now, I think people would be a lot more excited about it. And there would be a lot more of that talk around, wow, Jordan's really elevated. But I think if you're not watching Florida State closely, you probably look at his numbers and you look at their record and you say, okay, you know, this team is a lot better. You know, yeah, they're undefeated. Last year they lost three games, but it's not like Jordan, if you look at his numbers, is playing crazy better. But better? He actually, yeah, he wasn't good last year. He, he wasn't good enough for it last year. So why with the same numbers this year is any better? Yeah, it it, it kind of ends in that realm. Right. And with Jordan last year, right, we saw so much of that volatility at times. And that helped him a lot at the end of the season when he was hitting those highs. But this year he's gotten really, really good about being, you know, the taking less negative plays, being really smart with the football. But then because of that, too, he's not not taking those chances that would put him into Heisman candidacy. And, you know, like you said, I don't blame him because they're winning a lot of football games and they're going to go to the playoff. And you know what? It's their best chance to win the college football playoff. And I think with how Jordan's playing, with how clean he's been playing, that to me is the the most realistic path to Florida State being national champions this year. It certainly is. It does feel like it'll likely be Bo Nix's, and they lo- they're going to love this fifth-year senior who started against, uh, you know, Oregon or his first ever game against Oregon, and Justin Herbert transfers to Oregon, leads them to a playoff, and uh, it's like eight billion years old. But yeah, I mean, it just feels like he's going to end up getting it because the storyline makes sense, and they'll probably beat Washington the second time through. But you know, Jordan is like you said, playing unselfishly and playing the brand of football that's most likely to have FSU lifting trophies when this season is over so um you know hats off to jordan and, and hopefully he keeps playing that way and you know with any luck maybe we, we he does get those heisman moments here down the stretch and and voters give him a chance but um you know it feels like they've kind of made their mind up it'll be Penix or Knicks depending on who wins in december so um i, I guess we'll see he's got one more chance next week against miami who again seems to be in a state of disarray they uh Six and three now on the season. Uh, took the loss last week at NC State, twenty to six. Did not look very good. Um, I don't really know what to say about them. Um, shut out in the second half. Offense just doesn't look good. Anything? I, I really don't expect Van Dyke to play this week. He, he threw for thirty-eight attempts for a buck seventy-three last week. Three turnovers, all three interceptions. I should say. Um, I mean. NC State put up 230 yards of offense and won by two scores. I mean, it just feels like another one of those just go play your game and you likely win type stuff for FSU. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think you hit it, the nail on the head there. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a rivalry game, so I mean, I'm you know, I, I you have to be ready for that, but at sure. the same time, it's what. But you're also playing Miami in November, and we know how Miami <laughs> plays in November. I mean, no, let's just let's just be honest about it. The Miami is not a team that exactly gets better over the course of the season. They're a team that peaks at times, and they don't really sustain success. So. If they do bench Van Dyke, the likely starter is Emery Williams, who played against Clemson in that win. And you're probably like, oh, God, he beat Clemson. Uh, he was 24 for 33, a buck 51 with a touchdown and a pick. So, I mean, you know, I felt like that kind of set it up. I didn't have anything else after that. I just shrugged. For those of you who are listening, because that's everyone, I shrugged. So I don't really have anything else. I mean, it's just... You know, I, I, it feels like obviously it's a rivalry game, so I'm not here to say like take it lightly or any of that kind of stuff. It just, I, I don't know what the, Miami has is all over the place right now, and it's and it's hard to sit here and tell you that I'm going to be like, well, let me break down this. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I don't really have anything to say. Like that's something to keep an eye on because like, they've got a lot of a lot of chaos over there, and and it just seems like they're ready to get to the end of the season and regroup with some recruits and start over next year. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think FSU is going to counter them to death like they did last year. So I don't think so. I, yeah. The, the, the D line is better. Yeah. So um, still not great though. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm taking them to probably win. I don't know what the line is quickly. I will switch over to take a ooh, look at I'll, it. I've got I'll it throw out a little score prediction. I'm going to say, go ahead. FSU, you give it to me before I show you the number. FSU, ooh, FSU 38. Ooh. Miami 17. Huh. Wow. That's more points than I thought. I've got, I've, I'd go like Miami. I go Florida state like 31 Miami, like 10. Okay. Yeah. yeah and the cool. line, the line is 14 and a half. Um, oh, so really? they're, they're expecting Florida state to win by 14. I mean, the line for Pitt was 21. The line, the line for a lot of these Florida yes. state games has been around 20. Um, I'm taking I'm taking that number. <laughs> I, I kind of love that number. <laughs> I will be taking the number as well, which means it'll absolutely end up at 14 and I'll be sick. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just like the uh, Texans today who, <laughs> who <laughs> had the opportunity to cover the spread and need it. Oh. Took it. Well, backup kicker. That'll do it. Yeah. 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 The uh, but again, Florida State double digit favorite for what feels like the eighth straight week. Um you know, that just speaks to the brand they're playing and the respect they're getting from uh, odds makers, even though they're not getting it in the narrative based uh, rankings. They're they're getting it from odds makers and, and their kind of analytical data. It's just another week where you should be able to handle things. Definitely. And before we get out of here, I do want to look at futures and see. So after so Michigan is the current favorite for the national championship at plus 220. Georgia is plus 260, and then Florida State, 6-1. to one. So they're ahead of Ohio State. They're ahead of Alabama. They're ahead of Oregon. They're ahead of Washington. So that seems about right. Um, but, yeah, what, what, do you, uh, what do you think about that, Brian? I think Oregon's playing like the best team in the country. Um, I, I think if they, they are – they're capable of running the ball exceptionally with Bucky Irving. Uh, Bo Nix being as senior as he is, I think he's he is – playing phenomenally their one loss on the road at Washington when they I think they missed two field goals and had two bad fourth and short turnovers in scoring area um you know four bad plays and you still had a field goal at the gun to tie it on the road against the other team that's in the top five um it feels like Oregon is playing the best ball I can't stand Michigan if I, I have to think if the committee has a chance to yank them out of there for this sign stealing scandal they will uh, and that's where I think the human element is obviously going to be a nice role as opposed to a BCS type thing. Um, and you just can't rule out Georgia. I, it feels like to me, this is uh, Georgia, Florida state, obviously Ohio state and or Michigan and then Oregon. I, I think that's where we end up. My guess it's probably, I guess if Ohio state's already won, I guess it's Ohio state one, Georgia two, maybe Oregon Florida State probably ends up being three heading to Pasadena, if I had to guess. Hmm. Um, unless Ohio State wants to go to Pasadena. Um, you know, your options are Sugar Bowl or, or, or Pasadena. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. It feels like those are the best teams in the country. Alabama obviously beat LSU yesterday. I just don't think they are exceptional or anything that I think is going to actually push Georgia, um, even though Georgia doesn't look great either. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't buy Texas. I think Oklahoma State is the best team in the Big Twelve. Hmm. Well, I was even going to say though, maybe there's a weird scenario where Alabama, let's say they end up beating Georgia, then Texas somehow parlays that into getting that fourth spot. If if things, yeah, because really because they will have beaten they'll Alabama. have beaten Alabama, who would then be the SEC champion, and and that should be interesting. But and and that scheme, I could see where a Florida State fan starts getting nervous because you've kind of got those teams together. If you're unbeaten with a win over LSU and a win over Clemson. Um, I and I went over floor like you've scheduled well and out of conference. I don't see how you end up outside of this if you just win your games. I don't. I just don't see it. No, no, I don't. I don't, I don't foresee that situation. I think a few weeks ago, um, you know, I was even talking about how we could have five undefeated conference champions, and that would maybe be the friskiest scenario for FSU. But obviously, that's not in play anymore. I, I to me, that was really the only situation where Florida State wins the conference and they don't get in is if if you know that lines up that way but doesn't matter anymore no it does not so uh handle your business and you are there so you know maybe it's new orleans i'll be in town if that's the case and then if not uh, you guys have fun in pasadena so we'll see but uh until then brian ben that's a wrap